0: Well, good morning, everybody, and welcome back. This is our daily devotional for November 9th, 2023, and I hope that it finds all of you doing very well and enjoying your week. Obviously, I am not coming to you from the pastor's study at Old Providence. I'm not coming to you from the, uh, the kitchen table at the mats. Instead, I'm coming to you from my parents' house where I drove to yesterday and uh, where I've got meetings. Well, not here. I've got to drive to North Carolina now um, for other meetings at Bon and, and and then I'll head home. But nevertheless, it is good to be with y'all and to be mobile and it's good to know that technology travels where we go. Um, Where we're going today um, in terms of our study in Acts is, y'all, we're finally done with Acts chapter 16. I meant to go back and, uh, and look at all the different devotionals we had off of chapter 16. But to be fair, chapter 16 is a large chapter. A lot of things happen in there. A lot of principles are revealed. And remember, that's what we're doing here. We're reading about the Acts of the Apostles, the Acts of the early church, hence the name of the book. But as we read about this history that takes place, there are things that we ought to learn. There are things that we ought to glean. Principles are revealed about what is in God's word, right? So all of that being said, where we find ourselves is in chapter 17, Paul and Silas, we went through everything yesterday with them being released and they were Roman citizens and they said, no, you tell that magistrate and officials to come and escort us out. Um, we talked about civil disobedience yesterday. Now, along the same lines, we're going to get into some other things today that have to do with what happens next. And it does have to do with government and it has to do with, well, a very similar situation to what we saw in chapter 16 after Paul and Silas drove out the slave girl or, or the demon from the slave girl. Now, without further ado, let's pray, and then we'll dig into Acts chapter 17. Our Father, as we come to your word now, we pray that you would guide us by your Holy Spirit. Help us to see, help us to understand, help us to know not only what your word says, but how it applies. Help us to know what you would have us do in light of who you are, in light of who you have called us to be. Now, please guide us, and I pray it in Christ's name. Amen. Okay, so Acts chapter 17, beginning in verse 1, it says, When they had passed through, and this is one of those names, right? It, it, it can be Amphipolis, Amphipolis, right? It doesn't matter. But Apollonia as well. They came to Thessalonica where there was a Jewish synagogue. And yes, this is the same Thessalonica that Thessalonians is named after, first and second, okay? Verse 2, as was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures. Now I've got to pause there for just a second. This phrase, as was his custom, or as his custom was, is something that we have seen multiple times with Peter, with Paul, We even see it with Jesus. Now, let me be clear on something. When it says the Sabbath day, this is the Jewish Sabbath day. And yes, he's going to the the synagogue in order to worship, but also to reason. Realize that a shift is taking place in the church where once there is a clear separation from from Judaism, um, you even hear about it in the book of Revelation, something referred to as the Lord's Day, becomes the day that the Christian church gathers to worship God and then recognizes the Lord's Day as their Christian Sabbath. And the Lord's Day is on the first day of the week. It's on Sunday. It's the day that our Lord raised from the dead. Now, that's all of that is for a particular time. Why we worship on Sunday instead of Saturday? That's why. In fact, you again, if you read the book of Revelation, you find John talking about being in the Spirit on the Lord's Day. Okay? Okay that's not what we're focusing on today. What I want to focus on first, and and, and we'll move on from here, but that phrase, as his custom was, y'all, there are lots and lots of of reasons and and rationale as to why you need to be a regular part of a Bible-believing church. And by regular part, I don't mean a creaster, right? Christmas and Easter, I don't mean show up on Mother's Day only. I mean a regular part of the life of a Bible-believing church. Yes, that means worship service on Sunday morning, but it means more than that as well. It means having that relationship, that bond with the people of God. Um, Certainly, lots of different reasons, right? If you know Jesus, why would you not want to worship him as he commanded If you appreciate what the Lord has done for you, why would you not gather together with the people of God to worship the everlasting God? We're called to live lives of worship, but we are also called to corporate worship. In other words, it doesn't cut it to just worship God on your own. And let's be real. If you're going to disobey God when it comes to corporate worship, you're probably not going to be worshiping worshiping him on your own either. Then there's the logical reason. Not only do we see throughout the New Testament churches being established. You want to know what Paul is doing here? Some people say, oh, he's on a missionary journey to save people. Yeah, well, he's on a missionary journey to start churches, okay? Because the understanding of God's word is, is that people are saved through the church. It's the church that sends Paul. It's the church that supports Paul. He is going to plant new churches. That's what he does. And something else you know, I've seen lots of different things on this, and there's some really good sayings out there that that if you left the church over people, then uh, you know you weren't there for for the right reason anyway, because it's not church isn't about people; it's about God. All of those things are true. I I heard this wonderful metaphor about how one of the most played songs is Stairway to Heaven, right? And uh, that that kids, you know, teenage boys learn to to play that, and and if you go into a guitar center, right, and one of them's picked up an electric guitar, and he just plays this horrible, terrible version of it. It sounds like a fork got stuck in the garbage disposal. You wouldn't say then, oh, Led Zeppelin is horrible. I'm never going to listen to Stairway to Heaven again. No, you, you, you'd listen to Stairway. You wouldn't listen to that kid play it again, right? And, and, and it's the same way with church, right? If, if a group of people does something very poorly, the problem is not God. The problem is the people. But aside from all of that, it comes down to what you love. You know, of all the things that Jesus loved and of all the things that Jesus promised, Jesus promised to build his church. Jesus said he was dying for his church. And it comes down to this. I've said it so many times. Y'all are probably sick of me saying it. You probably know, in fact, what I'm about to say before I even say it. But what I'm about to say is true. You can't say you love Jesus. If you don't love the church, really, you, you, you can't say that you love Jesus if, if you reject the things that Jesus loved. You can't call yourself a Christian, a follower of Christ, if you don't follow in his steps. Jesus established the church. Jesus is the real head of the church. Is the church perfect? No. If it were, then Jesus wouldn't have come in the first place. If it could be, it wouldn't have come in the Y'all, you can't love Jesus if you don't love the church. And this business uh, in verse two, as his custom was, Paul shows us, Peter shows us, Jesus shows us, it was their custom to be a regular part of worship. Now, it's a synagogue, but the translation for you and me is church, okay? Um... I'm not trying to browbeat. I'm not trying to thump. And I'm not saying you got to come to Old Providence. There's people all over the place that that watch this. And I'm glad that we are here together. And you can't come to Old Providence. I understand that. But you need to be in a regular part of a Bible-believing church if at all possible. And if you can't be, you need to be watching us or somebody else on Sunday morning. Um, Sometimes people live in places where it's just not possible. But if you are in the area of Old Providence... And if you don't want to come to Old Providence, fine. I I would love for you to be there. Really, I would, because the Lord is doing amazing things. Great things are happening. I would love for you to be there. But if you can't, or if you won't, I I love you enough to where I, if you got a problem with me, you need to be talking to me and, and we need to sort that out. If you got a problem with the church, we need to talk about that sort of thing too, but if you're not going to come to Old Providence, fine. Don't fool yourself. And this goes for anybody anywhere across all time, but I'm saying in the context of Old Providence because I'm the pastor there. Never fool yourself that you're really part of a church just because they hold your letter of membership. You know, there. I said it before, there are people all over the place that think they're just good with the Lord because they joined a church somewhere. Y'all, you're. that means nothing. That means nothing if you're not actually a part of the church you don't have to come to old providence but you need to be somewhere wherever you are and and again this goes i mean i think that there's like 49 different countries people that are watching this in different countries i i don't know your context but if it's at all possible you need to be a regular part of a bible believing church and one thing's fascinating i talked about problems within the church y'all You want to talk about problems, read 1st and 2nd Corinthians, read Galatians, read Thessalonians, right? Um, I mean, there's all sorts of problems in the church. But you want to know the one thing that you never find anybody doing in the New Testament? You find Jesus saying, I'm going to remove my lampstand. In other words, I'm going to withdraw the Holy Spirit from that church because of what you're doing, how you're thinking, how you're behaving. But you never, ever see this call to just abandon the church. No, the idea of abandoning the church and striking it on your own, that's repugnant to Jesus. That's repugnant to any of the authors of of, of, the God himself who is the author of his word, but to any of the others, the idea of just leaving and striking it on your own, no, 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 never. May it never be so. Of all the things Jesus prayed for and could pray for right before his arrest crucifixion john 17 the high priestly prayer he prayed for our unity and y'all you can't be united to something you're not a part of so as his custom was so your custom should be get to church all right now and a bible believing one at that Now, we continue. As his custom was, verse 2, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures. That was the format of the Jewish synagogue. There would be a reading of scripture, there would be lessons, there would be discourse, there would be discussion. Verse 3, what did he do? He was explaining and providing that the Christ had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Christ, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and not a few prominent women. Now, y'all, he said something in there, this Jesus is the Christ. Sometimes we get things confused and and we think that Christ is like Jesus's last name. And there are some people out there that give him a middle initial, but nevertheless, aside from all of that stuff, um, realize that the, the concept of the Christ The concept of the Messiah was not something invented when Jesus came, right? When Jesus was born in Bethlehem and died on the cross and all that, the Jews were looking for the Christ, the one, the anointed one, the one that would come and save them. The problem is, is that by the time Jesus came, they weren't looking for salvation from sins. They weren't looking for the kingdom of God. They were just looking for the kingdom of Israel. They got things really, really confused and warped, and so they missed Jesus for who he was. What Paul and Silas are doing here is reasoning out that, hey, guys, you're looking for the Christ. You're looking for the Messiah. Orthodox Jews still are, by the way. And he's saying, look, look at all of this. Reasoning with them, we don't have everything that he said here, but he reasoned out with them from Scripture all the different ways that Scripture points to the fact that Jesus is the Christ. And the end result, again, is verse 4, that some of the Jews were persuaded. A large number of God-fearing Greeks were persuaded. You got this thing going on where some Jews, a lot of Gentiles, and it's also thrown in, and not a few prominent women. In this part of the world, it was more matriarchal, but nevertheless, you, you also had the thing going on with Lydia in the previous chapter. Maybe that's why he put that in there. It doesn't really matter. But you see this trend developing right? And along with it, something else is developing. It's a pattern. We've seen it before. Verse 5, but the Jews were jealous. So they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, formed a mob, and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. Now something is revealed here, y'all. And, and it is a little bit of a shift. You know, previously, take, for instance, Jesus, right? When Jesus is doing his earthly ministry, we find out about him going into the synagogue to do what Paul has done, to reason, to teach all of these different things. And when Jesus does it, the Pharisees, the Jews, they just go nuts, right? They just go bonkers, because they are in sharp, sharp disagreement over his theology, over his assertions, over who he says he is. When Jesus throws out, I am, there's a reason they're ripping their beards out and tearing their clothes, and they just go nuts, and they want to murder him immediately. Now, that's originally what happened. Fast forward, you see the same kind of thing with Peter, but this is the first time that we get the real scoop on things, and maybe a shift. You'll notice here that the Jews didn't go nuts over the theology. They're not going crazy over the assertion that Jesus is the Christ. No, 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 no. They go nuts because, verse five, the Jews were jealous. They're seeing that the gospel is taking root. And y'all, a principle is revealed here, and with this principle today, we're done. But the principle that is revealed here is this. The enemies of the gospel are always jealous of the gospel taking root. I'll say that again. The enemies of the gospel are always jealous of the gospel taking root. And I word it that way because the gospel taking root looks like lots of different things. It doesn't just look like people that don't know Jesus coming to Jesus. It looks like people renewing their relationship with Jesus. The gospel taking root looks like people growing in their relationship with the Lord. The gospel taking root looks like people who were previously unchurched or underchurched that knew the Lord finally getting involved and, 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 and becoming a part of the church. The gospel taking root looks like life and vitality and newness and change. Not all change. Not all change is good. But in terms of growth in Christ, in terms of growing in spirituality, in terms of sensitivity to the Holy Spirit, the enemies of the gospel hate these things. The enemies of the gospel decry these things, and oftentimes the enemies of the gospel mock these things and greet these things with suspicion. Why? Because the enemies of the gospel, to use Jesus' words, to use Paul's words and others, the enemies of the gospel are just doing what their daddy wants them to do because their daddy's the devil. The enemies of the gospel have never received the gospel, and they don't know Jesus. And so they respond accordingly as enemies. They're still part of that great striving darkness in John chapter one that tried to overcome the light, but couldn't. Nothing is new, y'all. Nothing, nothing is new. Everything's still the same. Eh, Features change, but, but everything's really still the same. People are still the same. Either you know Jesus and you celebrate the gospel and its effects, or you don't know Jesus. And you go after it. Sadly for me and for others, right? Um, One of the ways that people go after the gospel is they go after the guy that preaches it. Um, What did we just read? Right, the Jews were jealous. Tomorrow, or I should say Monday, when we come back together, we're going to see what they did. We, we've already read about them inciting a riot to try to draw them out, and indeed, you know they're going to get arrested again, and, and we're going to meet a guy named Jason and all that kind of stuff. But the point is this: the enemies of the gospel always try to stamp it out. The enemies of the gospel want the gospel to stop. But the beautiful encouragement is, y'all. The gospel never stops. Oh, the gospel. The gospel never stops. Look at what the Jews do here. <clears throat> they think they can throw him in jail and that'll stop them. Well, what happened in the previous chapter? What's happened elsewhere? They thought that they could kill Jesus and that would stop the whole thing altogether. Boy, was that a miscalculation. Y'all, you know, the reality is this. People come and go. They really do. People come and go, and and, and people are imperfect. Paul was imperfect. It, you know, Romans, he talks about his battles with the flesh. Peter was obviously imperfect. I mean, it, people come and go. But the Lord preserves the gospel, and he's going to preserve it until the last day. And that last day, well, after the final person whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life, after that person comes to know the Lord, curtains, it's over. And then it really begins with the new heaven and the new earth. But I guess the point of what we're reading here, one of the overall themes of the book of Acts, you can't stop the gospel because you can't stop God. And the power of his Holy Spirit, whoo, y'all. John chapter 3, you remember when we were in John chapter 3, those of you that have been around with us, remember what he said to Nicodemus? When Nicodemus said, how can a man be born again when he's old? Jesus' response was, the wind blows where it will. The spirit blows where it will. You can't stop it. The best thing to do, uh, if you find yourself in opposition to the gospel, is to embrace it. Because you're fighting on the losing side, my friend. And I call you my friend because I am your friend. I love you enough to tell you the truth. If you are an enemy of the gospel, stop fighting it and embrace it. Ask the Lord to save you and he will. Or if you're a believer that finds himself edging over towards that camp, get hold of yourself. Look at what you're doing and why you're doing what you're doing. It's a call for us here. A call to consider our customs. Are we serious about worshiping the Lord and the call for us to consider whether we are embracing the gospel or bracing up against it? Let's pray. Our Father, we thank you for this time that you have given to us and I pray your blessings on it. May it be received however you want it to be received. That's your business. Um, But it is my prayer that I've been faithful in these times. Thank you for your love and for your mercy and thank you that the gospel never stops. We pray that it would continue to grow and grow and grow as well as your kingdom. And I pray it all in Christ's name, amen. Well, I'd like to thank you all for being a part of this time. Lord willing, we'll be back Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Old Providence people, remember, we got a congregational meeting this coming Sunday. Electing deacons, also choosing carpet color. Lots of things going on. So that's this coming Sunday at 10 a.m. And then, Lord willing, Monday morning, we'll be back at 6. Until then, I hope you all have a fabulous Thursday, a wonderful weekend, and hopefully we'll see you soon.